The road to a heart healthy life shouldn't be you know, walked alone. You know, you need to have a good physician, a good clinician who you can partner with over a lifetime, someone you trust, someone who understands your needs. But then partnering for some of these lifestyle decisions with friends and family has been shown to increase the likelihood that you'll stick with it. When it comes to heart health, women have historically taken a back seat to men. And while that has changed considerably over the last few years, challenges remain in how cardiac care is delivered to women in general. It's especially a challenge in communities of color, where access to care is still a major issue. Today, we discuss women's heart health with Dr. Stacy Rosen, Vice President of Women's Health at the Katz Institute for Women's Health, and Dr. Jennifer Merez, Senior Vice President for Northwell's Center for Equity Care. I'm David Reich-Hale, and you are listening to 20-Minute Health Talk. Uh, Dr. Merez and Dr. Rosen, thanks for joining me. It's great to be here. Thank you. Good morning. Great to be here. Thanks. And so, you know, heart health research has historically focused on men. Why is that? Why has that been the case, and how is that changing, or is it changing? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's so much about the way healthcare research, clinical care was focused decades ago. Everything about our healthcare system was a male model. Historically, we thought it was easier to study men and then just assume that women were the same as men except for the parts covered by a bikini. And we've started to call it bikini medicine. We actually thought that heart disease wasn't a woman's condition and we only studied men. So has that led to misdiagnoses? So we are making progress. And because up until 1979, up until the early 2000s, more women had died from heart disease than men. The curves are now reversing. We have seen a, a decline, 30% decrease in women dying from cardiovascular disease. However, we have hit a plateau. And the, and the trend, especially for younger women, and we define younger, less than 55, I think Dr. Rosen and I are a little bit beyond that. <laughs> Young plus. Young plus, right. We are seeing that we need to amplify our efforts in terms of awareness and sex and gender research. Imagine for the first 25 years of our careers, Jen and I practiced cardiology in a world where mortality rates, death rates for women were rising and rising and rising at the same time that morbidity, sickness and death rates for men were dropping. So all of a sudden, what we had historically thought of as a man's disease or something that if we studied men, we could just give women the same preventive strategies, the same testing was clearly wrong. The science had a change. And when it did, catch-up happened, honestly. We studied women. We discovered what things worked for men, did not work for women. We discovered that some diseases were completely different, even down to the anatomy. Remember, every cell in your body has an XY or an XX for most of us, and all those cells are different. You know, I think the important thing we learned, definitely, I, and I think we need to highlight this, that from the American Heart Association, uh, you know, there's their focus on Go Red for Women, which there's a huge scientific component. We learned that 80 percent of heart disease is preventable by controlling risk factors. So awareness is very, very important and, and thrilled that you're doing this show to bring awareness to all millions of women out there. So 80% of heart disease is preventable by simple lifestyle changes. We also learned in terms of the science that heart disease is presents along a spectrum. 
men typically will have that sort of buildup of plaque and a focal blockage that leads to heart attacks, which is the most common form of cardiovascular disease, whereas women can have, you know, buildup of plaque in the large arteries, typical for older women. But younger women um, can have diseases of the small vessels, microvascular disease, and dysfunction of the lining of the vessels that manifest at heart, as, you know, heart attacks eventually or chest pain or some of the symptoms. Hence, when we are just looking for focal stenosis, it leads to misdiagnosis. Misdiagnosis, under-recognition of disease, mistreatment or under-treatment. What we know is that women do get chest pain with angina or heart disease pain, chest pain from, from ischemic heart disease, you know, coronary disease, but they will often get other symptoms as well, either with the chest pain or instead of the chest pain. And it can be very subtle, breathlessness, some gentle fatigue in the shoulders or the back. I've had patients who've talked about toothaches, going from dentist to dentist, a little bit of head fog, uh, perspiration that felt clammy or different. So remember, historically, we didn't think women got the disease. They're not presenting in the exact, you know, stereotyped way that we think of. And historically, the medical world didn't think that this was something to evaluate. And on top of that, some of our testing, as Dr. Mirez pointed out, didn't show the standard types of blockages or abnormalities on stress testing. So you put that all together and you think a woman doesn't have heart disease when she really has it in a different way. And we now have diagnostic algorithms that can look for different types of heart disease or the pathophysiology that shows up in women, looking at the small vessels, looking more closely at the lining of the blood vessels to see whether a woman is at risk for heart disease, heart attack, and whether her symptoms correlate so treatment can be started. Let's talk a little bit about stress also, because... Look, who, who runs the household? It could be the man. It could be the woman when it comes to the finances. It can go either way. But when it comes to kids and sort of family structure, I mean, I know in my house, my <laughs> wife is the reason why I know what day I'm supposed to leave to do anything. She who must be obeyed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and the kids know, and, but we've all heard this, right? Go to mom to know what's actually happening. I'll say yes to anything and then be told, no, what are you talking about? So what, does that play a role also, right? Just the... the the stress of being the COO of the household. Yeah, we actually call moms or women the chief medical officer of the household. And Kaiser Permanente put out a neat study that showed 80% of a family's healthcare decisions are actually made by the woman of the house. So you imagine um, how challenging that could be. And that was challenging before the COVID pandemic. But so much has been studied about how much harder these last two years have been on women because they're managing the home. So for women, um, managing everyone else's care often historically has led to women not taking care of themselves. So to Jen's point that most of heart disease is preventable, if you're not taking the steps over a lifetime to take care of yourself, to make the right choices in your lifestyle, and to listen to your body if certain symptoms begin, then you've really missed opportunities. And what can you do about the stress? 
So, so David, I think important point. We we now know, and I just want to before I answer that question, frame this in the fact that we now understand the risk factors, what places women at risk, and you're spot on. You know, and we'll we could rattle off diabetes, high blood pressure, um, high um, sedentary lifestyle, elevated cholesterol, all of these factors. But the science in the past ten years had shown that stress. Chronic stress is indeed a very potent risk factor, more so in women than men. And so stress is all around us, right? So the key thing is learning to mitigate stress. Some studies have shown that mindfulness, meditation, um, deep breathing, listening to music, anything that you can do to sort of decrease your blood pressure because that goes up with stress. Stress is the flight mechanism. Um, decrease your cortisol levels will definitely decrease your risk for heart disease. So stress, important risk factors, exposure to chronic stress. And it's really the body staying in that stress state for long periods of time destroys the lining of the blood vessels, making a woman much more predisposed to having heart disease. But it can be controlled. And, and Stacy and I do the 10% happier challenge. An app and 10 minutes, you know, before you get, I do it before I get out of bed every morning. And it really, you know, you listen, it's guided meditation and it resets how I look at the day. Like today's Monday, my worst day of the week, right? I, I Well, except for this. Oh. Well, except for this, right. But I don't like Mondays generally <laughs> because, you know, Sunday, I get Sunday blues. Sunday scaries. Yes. But I, I realized that Monday morning doing a 10 minute meditation has changed the way I look at it. So, no, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and please know this is science. You know, women historically were told that this is in your head, dear. Mm -hmm. Are you stressed? Is your an argument with a child? Whereas the truth is the stress mechanism is a physiologic and structural harm on bodies' mental behavior, on bodies' artery linings, on heart rate, on rhythm, etc. So, so the Heart Association, which has such a you know an elevated level of science, actually recommends mindfulness and yoga with the same scientific. Um, credibility that we recommend aspirin for certain people or stress tests for certain people. So this isn't just in your head. It's part of our entire physiology. And, and the point, actually, that, that Dr. Merez just brought up is partnerships. And we talk a lot about that when it comes to prevention, that the road to a heart-healthy life shouldn't be you know, walked alone. You know, you need to have a good physician, a good clinician who you can partner with over a lifetime, someone you trust, someone who understands your needs. But then partnering for some of these lifestyle decisions with friends and family has been shown to increase the likelihood that you'll stick with it. And you know, you, the, you know can I just add yes, to that? Because, uh, you know, since the American Heart Association started its Go Right for Women campaign in 2004, They've collected the science, not only just the science of the mechanism or diagnosis of heart disease and the treatment, but also how people and how women are, what are they doing with the information? So monitoring the increased awareness. And we know that women that go red, join the Go Red for Women movement, that there's power in partnership. At least 90% made one heart healthy change in their life um, on a daily basis, got the, and the courage to broach, you know, their heart risk with their physician, change their diet. And I think, you know, um, Dr. Rosen and I always joke that the most important thing is choosing to move every day, exercise or activity. And at least over 70% of women who joined the Go Red for Women movement chose to move every day. So we are seeing that there is definitely power in partnership. 
And, and of course, that includes counting your steps or calorie counts, anything. That the, but, the, but, but not being afraid of having to join a gym or buy expensive equipment. Just get up and move more. You had mentioned the American Heart Association. We have an expanded relationship with them. We, we do. Um, Jen and I have been longtime volunteers for the American Heart Association, and Northwell has played a very significant role in the local community. We're the premier sponsor for the Go Red movement here in Long Island, the five boroughs of New York, and in Westchester. We're the Live Fierce partner. And as we think of risk factors and what we have learned again from the Go Red for Women movement within the past 10 years, we have learned that there are unique risk factors for women. And we want women to recognize, yes, diabetes, hypertension, elevated cholesterol, sleep, stress, you know, lack of sleep. But importantly, the pregnancy-related aspects and the link to cardiovascular disease later after pregnancy is something we should bring to the forefront, that women who have had pregnancy-related complications Medications, as such as eclampsia, elevated blood pressure, preeclampsia, gestational diabetes, the birth of a early delivery, and the birth of a smaller infant. Five to 15 years later, even after delivery, are at risk for heart disease. And so it, it opens up a, an entire area of screening to involve their OBGYN. And I know Dr. Rosen and, her, and the team at CATS has definitely been increasing awareness about this important but missed risk factor for women. No, absolutely. Thank you. And most young women up to the age of 45, even their sole primary caregiver clinician is a gynecologist. So what we've actually come to term cardio obstetrics, cardio gynecology, is this partnership that wherever a woman in her journey touches a clinician, we should all know about the importance of optimizing heart health for the long term. Another thing that I wanted to talk about for, for a little bit here, because it's it's not a shock, right? We, there's been access issues in certain parts of, well, the United States, but certainly if we focus in New York, access issues in community, uh, communities of color has been around for a long time. And the stats sort of bear that out in heart health, too, was nearly 50% of African-American women age 20 and older have some form of heart disease. How is access to health care affecting the heart health of women in diverse communities? So, so great question. And I think, you know, we need to like level set here or really look COVID-19, the great reveal or unmasking of health disparities. And we saw that in the first wave of, of COVID that people of color, communities of color, African-Americans, Latinos, people on the front lines were definitely at highest risk. So it really revealed to us that we have we have health inequities. We've known this all along. When it comes to heart disease, cardiovascular disease, the full spectrum, we know that, and the statistics bear this out, that there's a higher burden of heart disease risk factors and deaths from heart disease in, in African-Americans and actually Latinas, Latinos in, in the United States. The recent statistics show that more African-American women are dying from heart disease compared to white women or um, women of other uh, ethnicities. And so the one size approach to how we raise awareness and empower women to be partners in the health doesn't work for women of different communities. And we have to be cognizant that we have to have a culturally specific approach for different communities. So is access improving in these communities? I, I think slowly, definitely slowly. 
But but I, I think, you know, as we alluded to before, there's power and partnership. So what we are doing uh, definitely at Northwell, the Katz Institute, using our community and population approach, definitely empowering people with knowledge to know and partnering with different communities. We have the whole faith-based partnership at CATS to bring knowledge about heart disease and awareness to our communities. Because I think it's important to recognize 80% of health outcomes depends on everything other than the medical encounter. We've learned that over the years from our population health gurus. We have to see, we talk about patient-centered partnership. We need to know what matters to our patients, where they're coming from, and we need to customize care based on your needs. We can customize and co-create a plan to make sure that all of your cardiovascular risk factors are controlled for based on your lifestyle. And so I think we're at the stage now where, you know, empowering communities with knowledge about what you're at risk for, what you can do, importantly, recognizing that 80% can be pre of heart disease can be prevented um, is, a, is sort of our strategy right now to improve access, but to really hopefully improve outcomes um, when people have knowledge is power. And that knowledge or that education takes place in, in schools, in houses of worship, community centers? Absolutely. We have to meet people where they're at. Absolutely. Did we learn some of that from our experience with COVID or did we already know some of this, right? Because access to care in certain communities wasn't an unknown until COVID came along. Right. Not dissimilar to the way that we always assumed stress and anxiety was not good for your heart health. We always assumed what we now term social determinants of health, your access to health care, educational access, access to healthy foods, to safety in your community, to walking paths. We always assumed that that had to be somehow connected to outcomes, poor or good. But now it's really become a priority of Northwell, of the American Heart Association, of nationwide organizations, acknowledging that our ability to have good, healthy outcomes, to allow people to live their longest, healthiest lives possible, requires us to go past, as Jen said, what goes on in, in the exam room or in our hospital. It's got to be community-based, it's got to be customized, and it's got to meet people where they live, where they walk, where they pray, where they're educated. And each one of those gives us an opportunity to do better than we're doing now. Uh, Dr. Morez and Dr. Rosen, you've co-written a book. It, it's a second edition. The first book came out in 2017. Yes, 2017. Called Heart Smart for Women. And our new book coming out in about a month is called Heart Smarter for Women. We've been on over a 20-year journey to partner with our communities, our patients, our women, outside organizations to really raise the bar in, in, in education with regard to empowering women to make the right decisions. It's really a six-week approach to get you started. And we're saying our philosophy, it's never too late to start. Or too early. Or too early. And so we give a six-week plan to do we, what we think are the, like, five important things you should do. My favorite chapter is the one on partnerships, the importance of partnerships, partnerships with your medical team, but also with your family and your work colleagues. So I think, David, when you're finished today, you can definitely get, you know, go for, get Brian to go for a quick walk, 10, 10 minutes. minute walk, oh, you know. Well, everyone we, has it. 10 minutes, you know, the excuses well, I, have, of, I have the watch. It, tell, it, it tells me if I haven't moved for at least 30 minutes and... 
It's interesting because one of the memorable lines a middle-aged patient once said to me, I was a second opinion regarding her, her ongoing chest pain and her inability to manage her heart risk factors. And we went over things and we talked a little bit about opportunities for her to make small changes. And she looked at me and she says, you know, you're the first doctor who hasn't yelled at me about this. Go lose weight. Why aren't you taking your pills correctly? And, and it really sort of reminds me the fact that we, we know from behavioral science Science, that in order to make smart decisions, we need people to feel empowered. They need to know the knowledge and they need to feel good about their ability to um, decide on their own. So when you tell someone, oh, just go out, come back when you're 20 pounds lighter, that's discouraging. We know the outcome of that. It's never going to work. But when you give someone the opportunities to practice mindful eating, to change sugar to brown sugar or a different form of natural sweetener, it in a, in, a, in a recipe, all of a sudden they're in charge of these outcomes, and, and it really engages women. Well, you're connecting with them on a human level. Absolutely. So, That's the storytelling. to them, yeah. sure. The human connection. And importantly, you know, we don't, you know, getting rid of the judgment, right? Because I know, even me, sometimes if I've gained a little weight, going to my doctor could be scary, right? Because, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to make sure I'm in top tip health when I get on that scale, right? So we in this book and our whole message is forgive yourself. We are human to us human. You know, you may have a bad day. You know, you may eat four chocolate chip cookies or a pint of ice cream. Tomorrow is another day and you can start again. We'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> yes, yes. Go, go me. It yes. really is important. Oh it's, it's, it's a lifelong journey. It's not, we don't even like the word diet. We like food choices. I don't like exercise. Women roll their eyes. It's moving more. It's activity. Yeah. Sure. It's something that you look forward to doing. Well, Dr. Rosen and Dr. Mirez, thank you for being with us. This was great. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.